drink while recording. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Winging It podcast with myself, Nigel Chu. Hi, Mr. Winging It F1 podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Winging It F1 podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Winging It F1 podcast. Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Winging It F1 podcast with myself, Nigel Chu. Hello everybody and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast. It's episode 192 and sadly, or maybe not sadly, uh, oh. it is my final episode. Yes, uh, people who've seen on Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever, do want to see I'm joining Sky Sports, which is amazing, uh, but it basically means I can't commit to the podcast, basically. So this is my final episode. Uh it is a bit sad. I've kind of known this was going to come over the last few weeks anyway. I think we've left little clues as well with the caption of my name on an episode two, episode two <laughs> or something. Freddie with a very like high IQ tweet about Sky Brown or like skateboarding that was meant to be Sky Brown, that kind of thing. It was very clever. Anyway, well, uh, but yeah, this is my final episode. So that's it. I'm off now. No, I'll stop. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know what else to say, but yeah. There we go. Yeah, um, the episode's going to go as normal, but we're going to start by saying, bloody hell, well done, Nigel. You're going to Sky Sports to write about F1, the the exclusive rights holder to Formula One in the UK, and you're working for them. That's fantastic, mate, and we couldn't be happier for you. Obviously, we're sad to see you go. Uh, you were, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> when, we, when we cooked up this, this plan, we didn't think we'd be doing it in 2023. Um, <laughs> And here we are, and I'm surprised it's taken us this long for you to be getting the excellent gig that you've got, to be honest, mate. So hats off to you. I'm wearing a hat. Anyway, well done to you. <laughs> um, I'm not taking the hat off. Um, but it's really fantastic and genuinely so well-deserved. And, yeah, they're lucky to have you. Yeah, I'd echo, I'd echo all of that, mate, to be honest. I mean... You know, I just when when we started it, I didn't think that we'd be sending someone straight from the podcast to Sky Sports. That's <laughs> that's the that's the trajectory it's gone. We need F one podcast and then finishing and, and straight into Sky Sports. So um but yeah, I absolutely echo everything that Freddie said. I'm really looking forward to seeing what you can write mm-hmm. up there and the impact you can have on their team because I know that they're very lucky to have you and uh yeah, it's been uh been an honour, but also very enjoyable working with you over the previous 191 episodes. And I'm sure it will be extremely nice doing this one as well to finish off. But yeah, bittersweet. Well, it wasn't quite we're very happy. We're very happy with the transfer fee that Sky have supplied to myself. <laughs> um, that will see. That will see us through for the next 192 episodes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was I say? Oh, right, so in answer to the question about nearly two years ago now. Someone asked, or I asked on the first birthday. You podcast. asked. I, I, can't, I think it was one of them. It was, no, I was having, I was, that was a weird podcast. It was, it was a great episode, though. I asked the question, like, who would be the first to leave? I think, and we asked Twitter, didn't we? I said, we, we did Twitter polls. You said me. And yeah, the answer was you. For the <laughs> so it's, it's me. So, yeah. And I will say, actually. Yes. Oh, God. Judas. Sorry, yeah, I've been called that already many times at Eurosport. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> I thought uh, you just meant in life. 
Yeah. Oh, bloody yeah. Nigel! He's leaving. He's, he's leaving school after A level. Oh. Judas. Classic Nigel stab someone in the back again. I don't want to do that. Uh, but yeah, there were a couple of times where I thought, like, we might not carry on the podcast anyway. So sort of, like, might carry it on anyway. Like after uni or when we all became quite busy and that kind of thing. So to do 192 episodes, and I've always told told Freddie and, and Adam, like, anyone can start a podcast, literally anyone, but to do 192 episodes is that, to me, a one. Yeah, it is a bit much. Uh, but that is something I'm genuinely very proud of. It's one of my, my biggest achievements, I'd say, that I've... Mm-hmm. Done in my short life so far, unless I die tomorrow, then it well, then it, it will still be a short life, well, but anyway. Uh, so yeah, that is the biggest it's thing in a fantastic addition, an absolutely fantastic addition. The fact that it's such a big achievement for you is, is amazing considering Adam and I edit them all. <laughs> I've edited a few, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. well, anyway. right? Let's talk F1 for a bit, we can come back to our uh, <laughs> at the end. Uh, Red Bull have been kind of making a bit of noise about Nick DeVries. Helmut Markle says Daniel Ricciardo is not an option. I think he's been saying that to the German and Austrian media, but there have been rumours that Ricciardo could take the seat mid-season if DeVries doesn't improve, but Helmut Markle has been saying it'll be Liam Lawson who's doing very well in the Super Formula, or Awasa in F2, who's did really well last year and he's still doing okay this year as well. Freddie, what yes. are your thoughts on this situation? Oh, it's it's a it's it's just weird, isn't it? Alpha Tari and in its previous guys as Torosso always was very good and very bad to drivers. We all know this. Like it gives drivers a chance, but it also just completely ruins them sometimes. And I think we'll all agree that based on Nick DeFries's showings and around the F1 paddock last year and things like that he forced himself into the picture for an F1 drive and deserved the one he got and there's there seems to be a school of thought now that oh he was just in a car that was really good at Monza he really didn't do a good job no he did a very 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 good job in that race and to get points to completely out class Nicholas Latifi when on the Saturday morning he was in the paddock club expecting to just talk to VIPs is 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 genuinely you know he, he deserves I think he deserved the seat this year. And I think after five races, yeah, pull up his socks a bit. But I think the AlphaTauri genuinely doesn't look good. And I think, you know, I think he deserves that bit of slack. We've been talking for years. We've always we've seen loads of drivers take a bit of time out. You look at Fernando Alonso took a bit of time out, said it would take me quite a few races to get back onto it. And it did take him a few races to get back onto it. You see that with loads of drivers going to different teams. And I think it's kind of understandable that a driver with very limited F1 experience is taking a bit of time to get to grips with it. But so I think, I think what I'm saying is that this is all coming a little bit too quickly for my liking. Um, I feel like there seems to be a very, very big sort of um, bubble culture to this, where it's just kind of like, um, it's just like, oh, this is the opinion of it now. Oh, he's rubbish. That's it. Get him out. And I don't know, brings you back to a lot of drivers who definitely deserved more chance than they got that never had it. And I, I'm starting to feel like people having, aren't, I'm, 
aren't giving Nick DeFries enough time. There's a reason DeFries was in the seat in the first place and not Lawson and not Iwasa and things like that. So you've got to kind of think, hmm, what difference will it make if you've got a, one driver throw him out of a difficult car, put another driver in a difficult car? Who knows? You might end up with the same problem. I think give him a bit more time is what I think. I think, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I think it's not... Yeah, like like you say, based on what he did in F1 last year, what he's done over his career, you know, achievements in other areas, then he does, you know, he, he definitely deserves the shot in the team and five races is very early to be making those judgments of, oh, he's got X number of races left before he should be replaced. Having said that, he is well off the pace at the moment. And I'm not sure... Like thinking through other examples of drivers, I mean, you know, just looking in recent years, drivers who have struggled so much to begin with, I can't think of any examples of drivers who have then come good. I mean, like, you know, I guess it's it's quite a small pool, but Ricardo, obviously McLaren, um, Albon and Gasly at Red Bull, obviously up against Verstappen, so not an easy task there. Um, so, yeah, I think I do want to see him be given more time but at the same time i think the signs so far aren't looking great just based on what we've seen so far and it's yeah you know we'll need to need to see over the next few weekends but yeah i can it it just feels quite um yeah quite quite a difficult position for him to be in i agree with adam he he's making too many too many mistakes he's a bit too slow compared to Sonoda. It's very it's one of them where it's it's hard to judge how well Sonoda's doing. Is is it Sonoda's been really good or is it DeVries not doing so well or is it both? It's probably both. So he does need to improve. It does need to be given time. The question is how much time because we've got the triple header coming up and then it still gets quite busy until the until the summer break. So do we think we are talking here about he should be given well, he should, he should obviously be given until the summer break, but should he be given the rest rest of the season, do you think? Uh, I think the rest of the season is is obviously up. Um, jury's still out on that. But yeah, to, uh, in my opinion, to to most of this first half to the summer break, first half of the season, yeah. I think he's a driver. He's a driver we're blessed with seeing quite a lot of his um, experience. And I think, I think we can safely say everything he has done, he's done well in. It's... It's yeah, maybe not immediately in F two, maybe and but maybe there are some things he got by luck in Formula E, but there are also some stuff where he absolutely dominated and walked it, and that's not through flukes because it's happened quite consistently across his career. You look at some of his WEC drives; they're marvelous, and I think I think he's with that. Yeah, he's earned himself the right to time in this scenario. Yeah, I I think I yeah, I definitely don't hold it against Red Bull for, you know, quite questioning whether he is the right driver to see out the season that. I think what I do, what I'm really not a fan of, is the way it's been so public and the way it's out there. You know, he just doesn't need that. He obviously there's, you know, the the pressure of F one and, and any 
professional sports person at any level is just so much better at dealing with that pressure than anyone who isn't in that scenario. But at the same time, you know, there's a difference between having that internal pressure in the team and knowing that you got to do your best each weekend versus having that being one of the main talking points or, you know, we're leading the podcast with it, um, you know, the main talking point in F1. And I just, I think that's quite unfair, to be honest, on on Nick DeVries, that he has, you know, it, it has been put out there into the open for now. Everyone's going to be holding his opinion, you know, his um, performances under a microscope and holding it up against that question of, you know, will he survive till the summer? Will he survive after the summer, etc. So, yeah, I think I'm not, well, I think it's definitely, um, I I definitely don't think Red Bull should just be saying, well, you know, we're, we're going to be seeing him out, for the rest of the season, regardless, because it is, you know, it's a valuable seat in F1. They've got lots of drivers who could take that and it might get to the stage, you know, A, where it's doing Nick DeVries more harm than good to stay in the seat, but also, you know, where you can bring other drivers in and give them that opportunity that they also deserve. But I think that should have been an internal conversation and stayed internal rather than the way it has come out. But, uh, I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to say it, fuck it. Uh, I think, well, the problem with that is the media. Like, because some, yeah. the reason this has come off is someone has asked a question to Helmut Mark, or do you think Nick DeVries should say, how is he performing? So it comes from that, that question. But I also think it's... Uh, you can't, you can't it, blame the, the, the answer for the question being asked. No, no, but I, what I blame is, this is the way the world's come. Everything's become so short, short-term, short in a way. Yeah, so, I don't that's the media. So you're that's blaming the world. I'm blaming the world, yeah. Well, I think you I'm... can blame AlphaTauri for that, then. If you're talking short-term, then... You look at the way DeFries came on Alpha Tauri's radar. Did no. one driver bam? Oh yeah, let's sign him then. You can blame Alpha Tauri for that. No, what I'm blaming is short termism. These these questions are coming up because of fans fan reaction yeah. to DeFries. So then inevitably, you know, questions will be asked by the media, and yeah. then when Alpha Tauri or Red Bull answered them. Whatever I don't, Red I don't think you can say it's the world now. I think I agree it's a bad thing, but I think you look at so many drivers who just people just throw away and just say, "Oh yeah, no, that driver was rubbish." Like I don't know, Brandon Hartley, uh, Sergei Sorokin. Um, you can go all, like Kubica in 2019. You can go through loads of them who, who all of these drivers showed really genuine good performances, and their their deficit to their teammate was exaggerated to such a degree that people then just cast them as essentially a villain of the piece. And, I, and I agree way and i i think that's that's what's happening here and i i, I think i'm that's the kind of thing that just gets my goat it's this kind of bubble culture that's kind of like you that people don't appreciate what a lot of drivers are doing they just think they just there's so much more detail to a lot of these performances than is than meets the eye and i think in a lot of other categories obviously that is respected and things like that but no, I completely agree. Well, that's what I was saying. Over the yeah. last five to ten years or whatever, it feels like it has got worse and worse. Do you not think? I don't. I know. I think. I don't think it's got worse. Um, it's like given the recent that's... examples that you just said. Yeah, they're recent examples, just because that's recent history. But um, I'm sure you could come up with some examples historically. I mean, uh, Flavio Briatore, and any driver who worked for Flavio Briatore wasn't given time. Things like that. You can go. You can go back and back and back. Michael Andretti, uh, everything he's done was fantastic and unfortunately didn't work for him in F1. And everyone now, he's remembered 
as a failure, but not as one of the best IndyCar drivers of the 90s. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, right. Sorry. I'm trying to figure out a way, way to describe it. I, don't, I guess it all comes down to, to perception, doesn't it? But I just feel that is how most people are. They do look at things short term, I guess. That's, well, yeah, that's one kind of I, I agree with you. I think the short termism is, is a big part of the problem here. Yeah. Uh, Adam, mm. I think you were going to say something. Yeah, I, I was just going to bring it back to De Vries, really, after <laughs> after the kind of more more existential debate. I think, like, ultimately, it comes down to this is a problem as a 28-year-old driver. I mean, like, like I said before, I think um, there is that uh, precedent of, of drivers struggling to this extent early on, and there's not really um, that I can think of an example of where it has come good after that. But, you know, like Albon got another chance at Williams, for example. Gasly was able to go back to Arthur Tauri and Ricardo's still around the grid now, whereas De Vries coming in as a 28-year-old F1 rookie is all, you know, was always going to be up against it. And, you know, he it is really his one shot. And don't get me wrong, that's more than a lot of drivers get in the first place. So, you know, he did he did get that in the first place where it looked for a long time that it would be extremely difficult and that it would really take a miracle for him to get onto the F1 grid and he has got that. But it is, he's not going to get that time to bed in and, you know, be given, say, three seasons like Sonoda has, for example, where he's had that time to to learn and now we're seeing the fruits of that. I think it's, you know, it, it was always going to be a risk of the situation that De Vries was in and the age that he was, yeah. that it was, you know, a, a very, a pretty all or nothing um, situation going into the season. That begs the question, though, uh, Albon being given a lot of time, a lot of chances, and yeah, and eventually like coming through on that, and performing well now, and Sonoda as well, given a lot of time, and again coming through now, performing well. That then begs the question: Why not follow that example and give as much time as possible? Because those guys are younger. Yeah. So what if they are younger? It's it's the it's the category, surely. But I think when you're younger, you have that time to develop. Like when you're 28, that's kind of meant to be the prime of your career, really. An F1 race, though, is is always the same time, isn't it? It's the same seat being used in F1. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if I feel like did... I feel like that kind of doesn't really hold that much water. If you then you could say then you're just putting them in F1 too young. Yeah, but then if you look at if you look at Snowden Albon, those examples quickly. Snowden, he on his debut, he was amazing. Albon, Ross, on his debut. Yeah, no, sorry, in, not this season. Monza. This season. This season. This well, season, this season yeah, on his debut. On his debut, qualified. Out qualified, but no, I mean, what, what, all right this, race this season, De Vries has out qualified so the ones. Okay, so, yeah. so he's, he's so he showed something at least. Yeah. It's, it's not like he's been absolutely smashed out of the park. But in Sonoda's case, he was very impressive on his debut. Then yes, after that, it fell to bits. Fell to bits. Always had that pretty much sixteen bank. races, I'd say. Yeah, no, yeah, I did. But like so it's, 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 with with him, then back. he was coming in off like four years of racing cars or something like that. You know, like he's coming off a much. You know, there's that there's that potential yeah. to grow, and there's that time where you you're not seeing. Well, you know, what they've shown before, they can still grow from that and grow in yeah. F1. Whereas with, with De Vries, you know, you give him two years as he's, he's into his 30s and then it's like, you know, you're already then, you know, that's that's middle age for F1 drivers. And it's not 
you know, coming to the end of middle age, really. So I think it's, it's, it's just the way it is. Like teams are always on the lookout for a younger driver and younger drivers to come in because that's, you know, that's where they hope to find the stars and that's where they see the most potential there. So with DeVries coming in, you know, so late in his career with, you know, a, a bank of racing that has impressive parts in it, but isn't, you know, the absolute stellar things that you see from some junior drivers as well, then I think it's that, yeah, it, it's the it's the difficulty that you have when you're coming in at that age because you are you are only going to be given one shot and the drivers who have taken, been given that other shots have been a lot younger and then they've been able to make good uh, of it but, further yeah. back. And that's my point is that why should one shot for a younger driver be given loads more slack than a shot for an older driver? I just think when you look at it from that side of it, you could say Sonoda had some really good points, but it was nothing outrageously stellar if you think about it when he didn't win any championships and got into the f1 seat and you could look but at that more room to grow if you're 20 but we don't know how much room he has to grow is the freeze only has five races as a Rosso as an alpha tauri driver like if you give him the 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 two years that sonoda's had then we can we can see oh yeah there was that room to grow or no it was a, he just was completely out of his depth straight away you can't you can't determine if someone has room to grow before you've given them the time to show the growth. Well, surely naturally, if you if you're younger, you've got more. Because that's just that's a sport. If I know, younger. I know, but that's also like a generalization, isn't it? I mean, yes. Well, how many F1 drivers can you name in the freezer situation you have then gone on to? I know some haven't been given the opportunity. Yeah, I think I think some of them been given the opportunity, but I think I mean I think it's the wrong era to bring in to talk about Damon Hill, um, <laughs> who started in his thirties and won the championship. Um, but I think it depends on how much, how modern you think the 90s was in certain comparison to F1. I don't really know. I think that's a wider debate. But I think that's not really an easy conversation to have because the chances haven't been offered. Whereas this is now offering a chance. It's a chance to see that rather than just closing the door immediately. Treat it like a rookie, not like because he is a rookie. Don't treat it like, you know, like he's should be walking it straight away because... Then, then everyone would just hire drivers who are at this point in their career, surely. I think for me, it comes down to where the ceiling is. Like, if you're, if you are like coming in and you're 20 and you're struggling, then there's all of that. You've got all of your, you know, you've got a few seasons to bed in and you'll still be young. And then you can go on through mid 20s. Then you hit your peak and then you're into the next. Where with DeVries, it feels like the, it, it, it feels like a bigger gamble to hope that he will come good at this stage of his career and then be hoping, you know, and and then, like I say, you're already then into what would usually be the back half of a racing driver or an F1 driver's yeah. career in terms of age. So I think that's just where it is for me. It's like the the ceiling of where the average driver in, in DeVries' position is is a lot lower than, you know, someone in, say, Sonoda's position. See, um, yeah, and I, that's where people. I disagree because I just think he's not been given the chance to have a ceiling. I, I just think age is a massively important factor. Okay, I guess it's more important. For me I'm sure it's important. Well, I I just think you 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 look at. I mean, I'm not saying Defries is like Alonso or something, but he's a driver who's very old, who's performing very well, and things like that. Like it, drivers, but, but, but age. Red... Go on. No, I'm just saying like age can be different for lots of different drivers, and that's part of it. Yeah, you'll get some drivers who are the finished article straight away, and you'll get some drivers who have to work to it. And that's what you're saying about, yeah, giving some drivers time. You're not going to 
you're going to have drivers like Max Verstappen who can come in and and can just be as mature and capable at a wheel straight away. But you are going to need to give drivers time. And who knows why? What's the difference between? I think you can give someone time at 28 as you can give someone time at 20. I think. I think personally, it if you're saying that's like a peak moment of a racing driver's career, then allow them to flourish into it rather than stopping it. But Red Bull are looking for... Then they shouldn't have signed him. Okay, yeah, but Red Bull are looking for not an extra staffer, but someone who can win races, you know, be a top elite driver. Yeah. And so then that's why they're thinking to give a Lawson or a Wasser that chance because if they impress straight away, then they already know that they're better than the Rizak kind of thing. So I think in that, in the situation, given it it is Red Bull, that's why... But they might not impress straight away, and then it's just another yeah, cycle. Then they might not have a cycle, like yeah. And they'll, so they'll I feel keep like going. what they've done they'll with Sonoda until is, they get so, so what they've done with Sonoda is, yeah, okay, cool, we're going to grow it, we're going to give it the chance. And I think just because Sonoda was a bit younger than De Vries is now, yeah, a chunk younger, younger, I still think you can apply the same logic. But then with Sonoda, you, you invest, like, say, three years in him, and then you're going to get, like, 15 potentially... From that, whereas with the you don't know that at the start. My point is, you don't know that. No, no, no. But in terms of age, if they both go to racing into their late thirties and they both come good after a few years, then you're going to get a lot more of that from Sonoda than you are from someone of Devries's age. Well, but you could still be getting results from someone of Devries's age, wouldn't you? I mean, if it's all about just having a driver that might work later, then then that's like never going to. It's it's a really difficult one because. Everything goes for, yeah, let's get the quickest driver in the car. But also every argument goes for, yeah, but let's also give the drivers time because to make them quick, they need to be given time. And time, yeah, obviously ticks over and years happen. But I I do think that you can't just limit racing drivers being given more like chances when they're younger than 26 or something, because then you just, I just think that's closing the door to so many potential potential racing drivers in a way that they could be very good. And I think after five races, we, yeah, we are evaluating these five races as could have been a lot better. Um, and some of them definitely were rock bottom, like Baku. But you've got to then piece it together and look forward as well with that. And the best way to make a driver do better is not to sack him and not give him the chance. Oh, I was so hoping that we would have a debate like this on my final episode, and we've done it. So there we go. <laughs> so there we go. We we agree that the region obviously get a lot more time. What we disagree on is, I guess, the wider picture of what age. Andre Lotterer. Well, he came in and, for his first race when he was like thirty-one, and he outqualified his teammate by a second. Yeah, at Spa, twenty-fourteen. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I mean, I would, I would also say another chance. <laughs> I would also say, you know, it may come like we saw with Ricardo. I think at the end, you know, Ricardo was just very beaten up and needed that time away from the sport. And, you know, I hope it doesn't get to that stage with De Vries, but it may not just be a one-way decision from AlphaTauri. It could be that actually the best thing for him as a racer moving forward is to get out of that situation if it doesn't continue to improve because it is a really tough place for a driver to be. So, yeah, just sort of finishing off on on that point about... um best for De Vries to get out or something. Um, I don't it's, it's a hard one when you look at sort of Ricardo, like you said, it's just kind of like, we don't know if, how good it has been for him to get out because he's still flirting with the edges of F1. And if he were to be, he, and as he has been, can 
rumoured to be. I don't know how much rumour mill or how much was from that Helmut Marco interview talking about Ricardo potentially getting in the seat, but it's just, oh, okay, is this a um, a kill two careers with one stone kind of move rather than um, rather than trying to just nurture one? And that's another thing that I'm not, you know, I just find a bit kind of... It, what we've learned from F1 surely in recent years is it's not plugging and play. It's it it requires quite a lot of nuance and and care. And you know, I, I think I think there's a there is this statement to be made about adaptability of drivers and things like that. But I think you can learn from sort of I uh, guess it's it's a rough example, but from MotoGP that people can only be so adaptable for things. And if you've got loads of natural talent, you could just about do it. And all the other really, really good people still can't. And I think that was the issue Ricardo was in. And I just, there's every chance that could be the same in Alpha Tauri that because Sonoda's got used to it, he's fine. And, and no one else would be. It's always the risk with where the sort of peaky nature of Formula One at the moment. I do think there's an argument that the, um, the next regulation should be built more around drivability you could suggest mm, i think it's it's also like the you know the nature of having two drives in a team is where one of them is a question mark over where exactly they're at then it becomes you know is it the the alpha tauri is really good so no just doing average in well not really good but you know it is it is it the average, you know, kind of where Sonoda is driving it to is the kind of average performance of it, and DeVries is really far behind, or is it that it's where DeVries is? It's a really, really awful car, and Sonoda's just driving out of his skin, or is it somewhere in the middle? Like it, the the kind of consensus, or you know, what we've said is that it's likely to be somewhere in the middle, but yeah. whenever you've got that, whenever you've got you know, the, the kind of lack of variables there then it's always going to be difficult to, you know, ascertain that and, and find that. And yeah, I think, well, yeah, I think, I think like kind of ending, I guess, my input onto this where, where I started it, then it is, it, you know, it is still a wait and see for to freeze. Yeah. We'll come back to this Adam and I in a few weeks, I'm sure. Yeah. Nigel won't. Well, he will on Sky. So, so check. Yeah, we'll still text Nigel about it and he can... Will we, we can tell you his opinions that will. I thought you, you were going to start talking. Freddie, Freddie will still text Nigel about this and ask his opinion. Yeah, not in our group chat. That's just me and Adam now. It's not a group. Though. Can you have a group of two? Yeah, yeah. It's a pair of them. Two, the, we kicked you out last week, if you remember. Yeah, you <laughs> me out before as well for other reasons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Anyway, uh, Imola. Imola. Uh, that is this weekend. Yeah. The first of three. Races in a row. The European season is uh. properly starting. Mercedes are bringing big upgrades. It's Ferrari's home race. Aston Martin think they might do well, but Red Bull are probably going to win, aren't they? But it is going to rain at some point in the weekend. Maybe qualifying on the race, or maybe one of the days, or maybe or maybe neither. Uh, <laughs> You've just described well, every possible outcome there. Well, not every possible outcome. I can carry on, but I'm not going to because I'll be here forever. Well, I mean, Freddie, the you're, you're rain... excited. Why has the rain become a thing for Imola? <laughs> this yeah. is going to be like potentially the third visit in a row to Imola where it's rained, and I'm not against it. Um, but I, I mean, I, yeah, it's no secret. I've said it on the podcast before that I love Imola. Um, I think it's fantastic. I think it's a gorgeous racetrack. I think F1 looks fantastic there, and I think 
in in the dry sprint race last year we had a cracking race and in the wet um in 2021 we had a brilliant race so i think you know it's just it's old school it's cool it flows well it's nuts and is is the is the is the best track of the season so far for me and i am excited because it's similar it's similar proper racetrack uh like Fred said, old school. If you make a mistake, you'll go in the gravel. You'll go go in on the grass. You can make uh, more mistakes, mistakes. Make fewer mistakes on this track than you can on some some of the street tracks we've just been to. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, and just like the little bumps and the curbs and the flow of the middle sector, it's absolutely stunning. Uh, I think yes, it is a bit difficult to to overtake the main places. The first chicane. That's Formula but, One. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, Nigel, I'll stop saying things that will get you in hot water. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Adam, you weren't a fan of Imola, were you, initially? But now you are-ish. No, no, not initially. And I've probably come on quite a journey as a more generally as an F1 and, fan and journalist since then. So, um, but yeah, I, it's definitely won me over since it came back to the calendar. Obviously, like growing up, having never seen live racing, though, it's quite hard to disassociate it with the events of um yeah Essen Senner and Roland Ratzenberger's passing so you know that that is just what it always was to me and since it has come back to the character then it's grown into so much more and yeah I think even even though the the wheel to real racing there or you know the, the ability to overtake isn't there I think there's always you know there's there's always the potential for strategy to come into play which is what I really like about it so um and it's just you know it's it's a stunning so, it's, lo- location yeah, but it's not. It's wet. It's always wet. Um, so, so yeah, um, and yeah, like I say, stunning location, especially uh, well in both autumn in twenty twenty and and kind of spring, full spring where it has been the last two years. So yeah, um, and if it it's is it is the forecast for is it wet forecast both days? Did you say or just All for the three Sunday? days? So far. it's like it's a wet forecast for the whole when, thing. When when was the last wet qualifying? Um, in the been wet. a while. Silverstone last year? Has it been no, more since? Brazil. It was into Lagos. Right, Magnus- it's drying out, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was wet. Mm. Magnuson That's not proper wet. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Nigel. And Nigel is the connoisseur. I'm trying to go through the races, my USA, Mexico. This is this is live, not like this is recorded thinking you're watching all the yeah, while, he, while he thinks, I'm going to say my, one of a point I make about Imola, which is I think it's a track. Singapore. Great. I think it's a track yeah. where greats come to the front quite a bit. And you've got like, I think, how many? Michael Schumacher, I think, won at Imola, I want to say seven times. I think Senna's won there three times. Prost's won there three times. Alonso obviously did incredibly well there. Um, in 2005 oh. um, in one of the, the best Grand Prix of that decade and it's it's just a joy to watch some of the best in the world throw a car not, but, I mean say throw a car around but pinpoint precision of balls and pace yeah it's, it's like it's, it's kind of like Monaco in that yes we know the might well, Monaco, there'll be very little overtaken, obviously, in Imola. It might not be much as well, but the qualifying aspect is incredible. I mean, 2021, we saw one of the closest qualifying sessions in the last 10 years, I think. At one point, Norris got polos on the yeah. front row and then had, <laughs> they went off track by a tiny bit. 
uh, and there was very little separating the top eight or so in Q3, I think, in, in that year. So it's just a brilliant track. Uh, it's Italian as well, which always helps. There's something about Italian tracks and Italian motorsport. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> I yeah, agree so. with that. Italy. One to say for while we can as well, because it's one of the tracks that looks like it may be at risk. Or well, it, it looks like it's at, at risk. And um, it's weird yeah, it's, 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 it's apparently um, they're using it to make Monza up their game. And Imola have just spent a lot of money on refurbishments and things like that. It's interesting to see where that goes. I feel like it could be an Imola versus Monza come 2020, come next year's calendar, to be honest, mm. which would be would be dangerous for Formula One to try and pit them against each other. And uh, yeah, in, in kind of in general, then the European, um, you know, d- dedicated racing tracks are the you know, ones that are being squeezed really as there's more races in America and the Middle East. And it's kind of, you know, so that's where, yeah, it, it's, um, I mean, Barcelona's got a longer extension, but off the top of my head, I think Austria at risk, um, obviously Spa, Silverstone, Monaco, Monza are all, have got their contract at risk, um, yeah, in the near future as well. So yeah, it's it's in that bracket. Um, Zambor as well, I think, unless it's been dated and i'm uh sorry extended and i'm forgetting that so yeah it, it is it's definitely one to save a while we can because yeah it could not be around for ages longer but like i said at the start then it has changed my perception of it through the through the grand prix we've had there absolutely uh mercedes their upgrades how important do we think it is for them to work in terms of the rest of the season and how that goes do you think what happens this weekend will kind of set the tone for them do we think Mm. Yeah. Um, so well, we don't one. really know. We need to see what they bring. Right. New, new floor, new suspension, new. Just so I can't remember everything. But it's, 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 I think this this will be the biggest one. If this is the start of sort of a B concept for them, then we'll see. But I think it depends. It, it could be, like you say, yeah, a, a new, a new start and unlocking side of their car, which. I I I'm struggling to think of a car that's been a sort of um mid-season upgrade that's just unlocked so much for a team but we'll see what they can do it might give them a load of potential for later in the season we I think it's this is all unfortunately going to be wait and see come summer break for how well this does I don't think it's going to be immediate Yeah I I'm, I'm in the same boat really I think like it's you know, it, it could be that they go fantastically uh, in Barcelona as a knock-on of these upgrades, but we don't see the best of them this weekend and, and maybe not next weekend either in Monaco. So, yeah, I think it's it's important in the long run that they, they do have some benefit, firstly, to the team, that it shows they're going in the right direction and that it gives them a basis to build on. But I think in terms of, you know, I, I'm not going to be throwing their whole season down the pan if they don't have a great weekend in Imola either, especially as, you know, the, the weather conditions as well can play havoc. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm not going to be too short-termist around it, but they will want to see some, some you know, some improvement immediately. If it is dry, though, which I don't think it will, but if it is dry and on the data they can see that the upgrades aren't working, then uh, for me, they can write off the season after that. I know it'll just be one race, but if they've got all but the what, what is writing off the season? If they, see, if they see they're not working, they can 
they do still have a car that's there that's got a podium this year. Yeah, and, and... I would say it won't be winning races. I'd say. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Adam, you asked me a question right off. Well, yeah, yeah. It's just like, what, what do you mean by writing off the season? I mean, they're not. You know, they're, so they're... they don't bring any more upgrades and build a completely new car for next year because of the budget cap. They can't do that this season, so they'll have to do that but, at the start of next year. You know, t- some of that will be, you know, using or trying to use what's left of the season to build that direction for next year. But if they can see a fundamental problem, which it looks like there is with the car, then they'll have to build a completely new design and they'll have to do that next year. Well, yes, obviously. So that's, yeah. that's what I mean by that. Well, yeah. That's, yeah. that's always the case, though. Upgrades can fail and upgrades can work. But I do think it's it, they're not... I, they've got to give it the chance to see how it goes and then to see what unlocks it. Because, you know, they've obviously feel like they've hit a ceiling with what they've got. So they're looking at this going, OK, this might unlock more. Let's see it on track and see what we can unlock following that. It's not a decision you will make immediately. You're not going to run it on track for five laps and go, oh, no, we actually can't develop this. You're going to... They, I think... You know, that's way too binary for the way any of this works. Mm. Yeah, I, well, I, that's... Go on. I, I was just going to say, I think ultimately, I I think this this year is already about building for next season for Mercedes, but it's just how they go about that. And obviously, they'll hope that the, they're able to kind of pivot to a car concept that does work and works for next year. But I kind of think the outcome... I don't know. I, I feel like it, the main the main goal will still be more success in 2024 so whether you know whether the upgrades work or don't will still give them information towards that and it will kind of decide how they use the rest of this season towards that goal but i don't think it's going to be too much of a yeah i I, yeah i I think like in terms of writing off the season for the championship they did that after qualifying in bahrain like it's not yeah i I just when, when you're battling for like second third fourth well, yeah. Basically, yeah. I, I think in terms of writing off the season, then it's already. I think they already know what they need to get from the season, and it will. However, whether it works or doesn't, then it will help them. You know, it will give them more information towards that goal. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yes, it will. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's what we love to hear. It's unusual. Yes, it is. Maybe the last time. Maybe the last time the wider world ever hears that. <laughs> That Nigel can't disagree with me. No, but my wider point was the tradition is we just convince Nigel anyway. No, it's the way around. Uh, yeah. uh, do you think Red Bull are going to dominate regardless in any conditions? No, I think they're going to be really bad and they're going to be loud. <laughs> I think if it rains, their their car isn't going to work and it's going to be five seconds slower than Alphatari. <laughs> There's a chance that it's skittish in the rain because it is skittish in the dry, but then again, they'll probably be bringing upgrades for that as well. So I reckon because it's been the fastest car all year, it will continue to be the fastest car. <laughs> yeah, mm. it's, hard, it's hard to not say. I'm intrigued right. to see Aston Martin, though. They were very good through the sweeps of Saudi, and obviously it's a, it, it's a very fast-flowing track, Imola, so with, with tighter margins just naturally. So it'll be interesting to see... No, AlphaTauri, Aston Martin. Did I say Alpha- <laughs> you said Aston Martin. You did oh, say sorry, Aston I thought I said Alpha Tauri. Um, no, you said Aston I... Martin. And Alpha Tauri. We started to see how Alpha Tauri get on. Because, uh, I mean, they've always gone well there for some reason. So why not? Yeah. There's a good chance for them to do well. No, I, I, had, I, had, 
I had my link all set up and I was going to be like, oh, you know, and, and I'm excited to see how another team, the team that we spent most of this podcast talking about is going to go. And that's Alpha Tari because they've always gone well here. But oh, Freddie Freddy, <laughs> Freddy accidentally corrected himself, even though he didn't need correcting himself and did it for me. So there we go. It's definitely one of the strangest moments of my life that I don't know where that came from, where I, th- I, I then said something and thought I'd said something <laughs> else, but then hadn't. That's what I think every other sentence my life no. anyway yes and my oh, life will be podcast. my life will be different without the podcast uh so oh, let me think oh, of some oh, final oh. words to say that because this is this is really important because like until you know and, unless, unless you're able unless you're able to come on for guest appearances and stuff like this this may be the last words you ever put out on camera like, to the internet <laughs> to the world and, and uh, by extension to the universe You've really put a pressure on me now. <laughs> oh, to be fair, you have had about three weeks to <laughs> to think about this. So yeah, yeah, but it's not really been in my mind that much. Uh, I don't know. I just want to say oh. thank you. Oh. I don't think there's anything else to say. Thank you for what? Just and to who? Thanks for doing it. You too. Oh, the viewers. Oh. Who cares about that? Oh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, we know you've never cared about the bloody viewers. That's come across so obviously in your in everything you've done on this podcast. All these people like F1, I don't like them. It's like well, they're our fan base, Nigel. No, we want, a fan, we, want a, we want an audience. We don't want you to just sit there and go, "Nah, go away." Look what happened that? to the pit stop boys. And they don't. <laughs> they don't need to know who I am. How I am? They don't. I've, I've already told Adam and Freddie. That's that. It's it's sorted. Why why do we need hey, to repeat it's it? Like for, that, <laughs> it's like that thing you were saying earlier. Like what thing, Nigel? The thing I said off the podcast that you, I asked you not to bring up. Oh oh yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah, that's true. Uh, so you there we go. Given us a kind of excuse to always blame you, even though you're not here. Yeah, that's mm. important. Yeah, Although we didn't really need an excuse for that. To be fair, I'll no, tell you what, though, you both have to surpassed the amount of episodes I've done because so I reckon I've well yeah I have done the most I think I've done like 180 the guy who's leaving is giving us rules for when we can leave yes so I, 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 think, so. I think I've, I, missed, I I've think... only missed three I think I've only missed three or four uh, so yeah I don't know how many oh because you finally got a serious yeah. job so. yeah. <laughs> you can't be saying that you're a sport I love you <laughs> yeah uh, but no, thanks guys uh, for everything. And like even even when like I think I can say this, even in the interview, the interviewing or well, one of the interviewing people, they did say that they listened to this podcast. So during the interview process, that they heard me, thought I was all right, uh, and I did all right in the other stuff. And then yeah, yeah, Adam and I both declined it because we were nice. <laughs> yeah, they right. actually got in touch with us and asked, but yeah. we just, you know, we knew it was your gig. That's not true. Uh, yeah. So there we go. <laughs> you, you, uh, we can say it again next episode. You won't be around to stop us. Yeah, that's true. true. I know what the truth. We can't. Is. We can't say it next episode because we're all we're all starting at Sky Sports. This is the last episode for all of us. Uh, uh but genuinely, yeah. The um the ribbing has been on another level this episode for obvious reasons. <laughs> But it's only because we love you and we're proud of you, and it's 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 brilliant to see you uh, achieving this 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 role. Uh, looking forward to the future. 
we just know that you're going to be doing wonderful stuff. Hopefully you'll get to a few rounds. Hopefully Nigel Chu, accredited F1 journalist, will be the new wave of media that takes takes the world by storm. You might get a few more Twitter followers. I don't care. TikTok. I really don't care. <laughs> a day in the life of a, a Sky Sports F1 content writer. <laughs> I'm not like you, Freddie. <laughs> ah, right. Wouldn't be right, that... as good for the podcast if you were. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You haven't cried yet, Nigel. I'm quite offended. Mm. I cried probably five weeks ago. Yeah. I'm going to cry editing this. He cries when he got the job. No, that's not true. You can have him, Sky. Whatever, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, yo. Uh, thank you to Freddie. Thank you to Adam. Thank you for listening to every single episode. We do massively appreciate it. I know I joke about it, and I'm, you know, I do this character that I've got. Uh, but this is the end, I think. So, yeah, keep listening to the podcast. It will just be a bit different, and I'll say goodbye. Goodbye. Like, comment, subscribe.